All right, we've reached reached pod level midnight. My name is Josiah. I'm the host of the show. Uh, today, I'm joined by Amir Eldomiati. Is that how you pronounce your name, Amir? Yes, sir. Eldomiati. Um, Amir is an up and coming um, sports writer and podcaster here in the Twin Cities. Um, host of the Amer- American Way uh, podcast. Check it out. Um, you can get it on Spotify. He's had me um, on a few pods, and I wanted to return the favor now that I got this going. Um, so excited to have him on tonight to talk. Um, about the Vikings and kind of what things have been um, been going on. So welcome, Amir. Josiah, it's always a pleasure to be in your presence. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah. Uh, Amir and I have got had a good time getting to know each other over the years on Twitter. It's probably been probably three or four years now, Amir, we've known each other on Twitter, just going back and forth talking about uh, Vikings as well as other uh, Minnesota sports teams and everything that's going on. So always have a good time with you. Same here. I mean, I know a lot of people say Twitter is a cesspool and all that, but I think the I think the one benefit of Twitter is there's a lot of people that I get to know, like so many. And now I'm now coming out of this pandemic, I'm hoping to get to see more most of these people I've known, like yourself, and in person. But I feel like that's a benefit of Twitter is like like a lot of people just be able to get get to meet. So I appreciate us have, having these chats over the years. Yeah, it's fun to get to know people through. Um you know, that you wouldn't maybe meet in real life and get to um, yeah, learn about people from different backgrounds, but just share share our interests and our the thrills and the heartbreaks of being a Minnesota sports fan, mostly heartbreak, but we get through it together. So uh, tonight, yeah, I wanted to talk with you about um, the Vikings and just kind of where we're at um, as we're um, entering June here. We're like, what, about six, seven weeks probably out from um, from camp opening. They've already started OTAs. Um, so just wanted to kind of address where we've come um, through this off season and then what we can look forward to as we get to football season being right around the corner. So I know personally, I'm excited just to have um, the Vikings back in a real way as in I can attend games and go to even go to um, camp and see those sorts of things. And something I really missed last year and it didn't feel like a real season to me, honestly, without, without that last year. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, and it, it, it's as strange as it was. It was like it was empty. The watching on TV was like empty building. Like basically, yeah. and I, it the home field advantage definitely was not was definitely was not able to be utilized. It's they, obviously they finished three and five at home. So I think I think having this year finally having uh, vaccinated vaccinated fans back at in Egan, my my old stomping grounds in in July, and then uh, back at back at the bank. I think it'll. I think it'll help boost them. I think I really. I really do. I think we're 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 hitting a corner with this virus, and I think it'll it'll really benefit the Vikings in a big way this season. Yeah, yeah I think football was the sport I noticed it the most with. Like that's the one where the atmosphere I feel like means the most um, compared to basketball or baseball or anything else. Just that's where I felt it was missing the most. But um, yeah, excited to have um, to have that season coming up. I want to mention before we get to the Vikings specifically, just the. The other changes in the NFL, the big one being a 17th game being added. Um, the Vikings will play um, an additional road game this coming season. So they'll have eight home games, nine road games. I believe that's the same for the whole division. So it keeps it even in that way. And then the whole division will play um, an extra home game next year, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I think I think they just, it's like a, it's an additional game against the, the team with the same record. In, a, in the AFC conference that they're not facing this year. So we're yeah. facing the AFC West. So Chiefs and Packers had the best records last year. So they're facing off. Uh, Vikings and Chargers finished third. The Lions and the uh, Lions and Broncos. And then that will leave with the Bears and Raiders. So yep. Yeah. Yeah. Personally, that, I don't, that, I don't know if I love the, I don't know if I love the 17th game, but it was something that was inevitable, I guess. So. Um, won't complain too much, but it'll throw some things off with the schedule, and it'll just be just weird to even try to predict us, uh, you know, a record knowing that it's going to be an odd number of games, and you can't just say twelve and four anymore. Now it's twelve and five, or you know, eleven and six, or whatever it may be. So, but let's get to the Vikings. So um, we'll start with free agency. We'll kind of go in chronological order here. Um, I just have I put down a list of kind of the the most significant. Um, additions and departures. Um, so I'll just run through this and I want to get your thoughts on anything that stands out and, you know, things you'll have, think will have the biggest um, impact on the team this year. So we'll start with, with who is out, who is gone now from the Vikings, from um, the roster from last year. So um, Kyle Rudolph is gone. Anthony Harris, Riley Reef, Eric Wilson, Shamar Stefan, Dan Bailey, 
Sean Mannion, Brett Jones, Todd Davis, and Mike Hughes just recently was traded. And as I mentioned, Dan Bailey, I have a question for you, Amir. Can you name the Vikings' current kicker or either one of the kickers that are on the roster right now? I can indeed, but it's unfair because I'm a. That's how uh, crazy of a fan I am. Greg <laughs> Joseph, who spent some time in 2017, I believe, with the Cleveland Browns, uh, he is the he is the kicker that they signed. They gave him a partial guarantee, I believe, in February, and they dra- and they signed an undrafted free agent out of M- Memphis named Riley uh, Riley Patterson. Patterson mm-hmm. Riley Patterson, I believe. Uh, I was here. Looks like a looks like the. The new special teams coordinator really liked him when they saw him. So it looks like he was he was excited to come here. So it looks like those two guys will be battling for the kicking position. Yeah, I did not know either of those names. I'd seen them, but I wouldn't have t- known them off the top of my head before looking it up before this podcast. But I knew you'd come through for me, so well done on that. Um, do you have a horse in the race between Greg, Greg Joseph and Riley Patterson? Do you have a bold prediction of who will be the Vikings kicker in 2021? It's too soon to tell... I mean, I think having experience in the NFL will help in this situation. So at the moment, as of the date we're recording, which is June 2nd, I'll say Joseph. Yeah. Just because of the uh, experience in, in the NFL. But Patterson could surprise. I mean, I guess every year there's these undrafted free agents for every team that always uh, come out of nowhere and make the team. So, I mean, we you never know in that sense. But I'd say at the moment, I'd just because of the, the small guaranteeing his contract and the level of experience uh, kicking in the NFL, I'll, I'll say Joseph. Yeah. Yeah. I will say the Vikings have had good success with special teams players named Patterson in the past. So maybe, but we'll find out. We'll see what happens. It'll be interesting to have that kicking um, battle as it's always the dramatic pish, um, position on the Vikings roster as the kicker spot. So we'll see what happens there. Um, but back to the departures, anything that stands out there, I think most of that was pretty expected. We were expecting, um, especially some of the older players, to um, to not come back. Some of the higher contract hits like um, Riley Reef, Kyle Rudolph, um, Anthony Harris, who was franchised last year. Um, but anything that concerns you greatly there or was surprising to see? No, it's a real surprise. I was not surprised about Rife. I think uh, about Rife, we needed to, they needed to create cap salary cap space that way. Rudolph made it, to, made it known to Ben Weber and other interviews that he just was not happy with his, his use anymore. So I think those, those were, uh, were not really surprising. There were two things that were kind of surprising. I, I was, I'll admit I was surprised and a bit sad just at the situation that uh, Mike Hughes was traded. Mm-hmm. I felt the first four games, first five games before his injury, he was really good. If you remember, he picked off Jimmy Garoppolo for mm-hmm. a pick, pick six. six yeah. And then he had another, I want to say it was a punt return touchdown or a kick return touchdown. And he was playing really well before that first ACL. So just, it's poor luck. He had these two neck injuries. So I, I'm surprised also because we have, we still don't know about the situation of Jeff Gladney and his legal troubles. And uh, we, we, we got some veteran, we got some vets in the, in the corner room with Patrick Peterson and Mac Alexander back. But with, I feel like just, I I understand they were not going to give him the fifth year option because they would they would have had to pay him five million dollars to a guy who's constantly injured, but I'm just surprised just with the lack of real true depth that they got rid of Hughes when they did. Yeah, uh, I was I was pretty shocked when I saw that uh, trade and they traded him for I think it was a conditional sixth round pick. So pretty um, not much of a return at all. You know, people were speculating that they must have been prepared to to release him or, you know, maybe there was an injury designation or something that was, um, so they were just getting what they could. Um, but yeah, I was someone that held out hope for Mike Hughes um, throughout the injuries as well. And, you know, the potential was certainly there as a rookie and as a first round draft pick and Zim um, spoke highly of him as well. So I was hoping to see him, you know, have a chance to have a bounce back here this year. Um, you know, best of luck to him in the um, in Kansas City, but unfortunately it won't be here. So that was a surprise f- for me just because of the depth piece that you mentioned as well. Um, and as you mentioned too, Jeff Gladney is the other one that isn't officially out yet, but is um, kind of on the, um, will probably be on an exempt list of some sort and won't, we won't be planning on him to be um, a part of the roster, at least at the beginning of this season um, based on the um, the arrests and the um, charges um, against him. So um 
I'll move to what you've already mentioned a little bit, which is just who, who has been added to the roster as well as who was, um, I have a quick list here of who was retained, you know, those that were pending free agents and the Vikings brought back. Um, that list is Anthony Bard, Dakota Dozier, Rashad Hill, Amir Abdullah, and Chad Beebe. Um, and then for those that were added in free agency from other teams, um, Delvin Tomlinson was the big one, uh, along with Patrick Peterson, um, and then Mackenzie Alexander returning, Stephen Weatherly returning, and then Xavier Woods um, from Dallas coming over. So um, some pretty big, um, you know, not huge, but pretty solid. Um, I think expecting all those guys to contribute um, on the roster as either starters or, or depth pieces. So what do you think about those um, those additions? It's a mixed bag. I, the only one I really am really I just can't stand is Dakota Dozier. I don't mm-hmm. understand why we had to bring him back, but that neither here nor there. I think I like the Tomlinson signing, especially I like it even more if let's assume Daniel Hunter shows up at some point and plays, and if Michael Pierce coming back, I think that if you want to classify Pierce as another addition uh, mm. in air quotes, but I think. I know initially they tried to go after an edge rusher. They they were outbid on guys like Carl Lawson, but really loves and other some other guys. But uh, Tomlinson actually, after doing the research, he uh, the Giants didn't really use him much at what the what the Vikings planned to use him. That he he uh, had I want to say three or four sacks last season from the three uh, from the three tech uh, from the three tech spot. So I think I liked uh, Delvin Tomlinson just for what he can do. I think he he's not, uh, and I think I think Pierce, uh, from my understanding, Pierce will be more of the Pat Williams guy, uh, the, the plugging up the run game, and like Tomlinson is a big dude, but unlike Pierce, like he seems more just from the games I've watched him play, he seems more mobile, like a, a guy that you could use in certain packages on like third downs to to run rush the passer uh, if you need to. So that's that's very that's a that's a very intriguing addition. I like Peterson a lot. Um, he's I didn't expect him to come in just because, but mm-hmm. I think I think based on just his poor performance the last year or two that uh, his 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 price tag went down. I think in any other year, you look at a guy like Patrick Peterson, it'd be probably even unattainable. But bringing him along and obviously with the experience of guys like Terrence Newman and just other vets that Zimmer has, Zimmer has brought in at the corner position. I think Peterson is going to really help this team. Uh, I know I was seeing, uh, I saw some, uh, some, I saw some images the other day from uh, OTAs of uh, Woods, and uh, I think he had some good games with Dallas too. So I think it'll it'll be interesting to see. I'm not quite sure to what extent they will help the team, the the, the additions, but I don't think they'll harm the team. I think we'll. we'll We'll have to wait and see exactly what, how they're used, and what sort of contributions they can make. Uh, what, what, what? Which one of the additions were you particularly pleased by? Yeah, I think it's interesting to look at the. Out of all those names that I listed, almost all of them are defensive players. Um, they certainly um, focused on the defensive side of the ball and free agency, and um, that was um, a, a place where there was a mass exodus um, going into last year, and. It just needed to be rebuilt to some extent. They were so young and they had so many injuries as well last year. Um, I will say just a quick shout out to Anthony Barr. I'm really happy to have him back. Um, took a little bit of a oh, restructure, yeah. and he just mentioned the other day that he um, did that out of you know wanting to continue his career in Minnesota and um, just the fond feelings he has for um, for the team and for the um, the state as well. So um, excited to have him back. I think that'll be a big you know he's an important piece to Zim's defense. Um, as you already mentioned with Tomlinson and then Michael Pierce coming back too, I think that that's something to be really excited about uh, having that dominant interior defensive line um, can open up, um, can free up, you know, the linebackers and others to really be used as Zim, as Zim would like, um, and hopefully a more aggressive defense uh, moving forward. Um, Alexander coming back as well as Peterson. I think both of those are pieces that are good on paper, but better um, in you know, on the field and in the system as, as far as guys that know the system, you know, Peterson um, hasn't played in Zim system, but is, you know, a veteran and will be able to provide that leadership that I think was lacking a lot last year because of just so many rookies and young players playing on the back end. It was um, just a mess back there and they weren't able to cover up some of those 
um, those holes. So I think the leadership of those two guys um, and then Woods being a guy who, um, you know, we'll see, you know, what he can live up to at the other safety spot, but just spending only, what is it? Two point something million on that spot instead of a franchise tag of 11, 12 million, I think is, is huge for what probably won't be a downgrade in any sense from Anthony Harris. So excited for him and could potentially be a good um, solution at that spot long-term if he, if he plays well this year. Well, absolutely. I think if you look at the price and the woods and Harris both signed at different places for the same, uh, same money. Mm-hmm. So if you could get, and Harris didn't even play that poor last year, just because, because there was no pressure up front. So he wasn't able yeah. to recreate the stats he had in 2019. So I think a guy like Woods, he can be solid next to Harrison Smith. Uh, and I think you're right, though. I think Barr is the big addition, just having him back because this this defense really struggled. I think running the ball in their past defense wasn't great just because of the, the young corners, but they really struggled with the run. With the run. And I think uh, Tomlinson coming in, but then Barr, what Barr can do, not nobody else on the defense can really do mm-hmm. that uh, he, with his size and his length. That and uh, you had had Kendricks, Mr. Q, Kendricks tried to uh, produce in, in in his place, but even Kendricks missed a few games at the end of the season. So I think having I think you're 100 percent right that Anthony Barr having him back along with these other defensive uh, defensive acquisitions, I think I don't know if the defense will be a top five defense per se, but they'll be much better. And I think I I was I'll admit I was a bit frustrated at the time. Not, not no uh, major offensive offensive acquisitions, but I think they they tend to always do this each year that they address one side of the ball in free agency and then the other side of the ball mostly in draft. So it seemed like that's what they did there. But I think it'll be. I think Alexander. He was he was a nice player. Uh, was I want I want I think he left the first time because he was upset. That they uh, that he was played in a week seven in week seventeen, mm-hmm. and then he got hurt, he got and then hurt, he yeah. got hurt. But he's a good player. So if you have Alexander and Woods and Peterson all coming in, and you have Tomlinson and Pierce up front, you have a healthy Bar who's willing to hopefully get 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 paid again next off season. I think I think it's uh, there's some good moves to be had. Yeah, the hope is with with Bar and then with these guys on the defensive line coming in, you can can take some of that pressure off of Eric Hendricks, who is um, probably the Vikings best defensive player right now, in my opinion, and really free him up to be able to be that um, playmaker in the middle and continue to um, make impact plays, deflections, interceptions, everything else. Um, And also free him up to be that run stopper where it's not only him, but it's um, the, D line not being pushed back and forcing Kendricks to be the only line of de- of defense, right? So, like you said, the run defense, especially, what is what needs to be improved, and I think that that's what they've really tried to address. We'll see how the back end fills out. Um, you know, I th- I think we we liked um, what we saw from, from Dantzler. Um and then if you have Peterson and Alexander, that's a that's not a bad um, top three corners. But the depth the depth after that is where it gets pretty dicey. So we'll see what happens. Um, Let's move on to the draft, though. So the draft was um, a little over a month ago now, I think. And um, it was a pretty exciting, uh, pretty exciting first um, first round and first couple rounds for the Vikings. Um, I'll run through the names in here. Um, so the Vikings had a first round pick and they didn't have a second round pick. So they had um, several third round picks. So in the first round, they took uh, Christian Derrissaw after trading back and acquiring a couple more third round picks um in the third round it was uh kellen mond chaz surratt wyatt davis and patrick jones um and then i'll just run through the names of the whole class here quick so that we get them um round four the running back um kane Nguangu, is that right um cornerback cameron bynum fifth round wide receiver Emire smith March Sest and tight end Zach Davidson. And then, and that's the tight end. That's also a kicker, right? Or a punter. Uh, He's a punter. He was a punter. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, the sixth round, they have um, defensive tackle Jalen um, Twyman. So 
let's go back to the first round. So Christian Derrissaw was the big um, first round pick. I think a lot of people were targeting him as people were looking at the um, offensive line needs and Rick was able to, you know, trade back and get um, still get the guy that was on the board when they were first picking um, while also acquiring a couple more picks. Um, did you like the move? I know personally I was very frustrated the night of because Justin Fields was right there and the Vikings got outbid for him. And I, that was kind of my long shot hope, you know, home run pick would be somehow finding a way to get Fields. So for that to come so close and then not happen, um, I was pretty frustrated, but trusting the process, Rick, I think did what he does. And, you know, it was certainly a um, efficient trade and looks good on the, um, on all the, you know, trade grades and all of that. So um, can't complain about that, but I did, it did leave me a little bit sour about the Justin Fields thing, especially since he went to a team within the division in Chicago. I'm right there with you. I going into the draft and just hearing the reporting I had heard uh, from the guys that we follow, uh, Doogie included, uh, they were saying that they, they really wanted Fields. So I was like, oh, I guess my, me personally, I, I just didn't want to stay at 14. I was cool moving up. I was cool moving down. The players I wanted were either going to be taken before or after 14. So I was like, well, the work, I guess, no disrespect to him, he might be a good player. But I was like, well, if we stay at 14 and take and take Mira Tucker, who the Jets took when they traded up, if, mm-hmm. if they would have done that, that would have been the worst scenario for me. Just because it's like, it's it's just it's not a player that it's not it's not a player that makes you really excited. It doesn't look like you're, you're confused. It's like, well, is he a tackle? Is he a guard? So, but so I would have rather even because obviously they lost the second round pick uh, in that uh, in Gakway trade. I would have loved for, if they if they moved down, which they did. I was like, get more picks. And if they moved up, then if they moved up, that would have meant they got a supreme talent, whether that be mm-hmm. Fields or. I really, I, I, there were two guys I really loved. I, I wanted Fields and I wanted Penny Sewell just because I felt like he's, I know a lot of other Vikings, uh, Vikings people wanted Rashawn Slater. I was not that high on Slater personally. So, but I, I really loved Fields and, and Sewell. But so when they moved down, I was really excited because then it's like, okay, there's a lot of guys still available. And I, I dare saw is a good player. I, f- I think that he fits what they want. I'm not quite sure if that's a player they would have taken a couple years ago. Just I think their philosophy has changed, and now they want bigger bodies. But just looking at him and the way he moves, and just and he's a guy you can play at left tackle right away. It's not a like uh, I think Ezra Cleveland's gonna be a good player, but it's not like that situation last year where you draft a guy, and you say, oh, we're gonna play him at tackle, and then you move him around. Mm-hmm. It's like okay. Now, at this moment, you have four positions set with guys 25 years or younger on that offensive line. And we keep saying every year how the offensive line is the weak link. So I think just based on getting the, getting three extra picks, grabbing a, a, really, a player they probably could have taken if they stayed at 14 in Derisaw, I think at the, in the end, it was frustrating as it was going on, but in the end, it was a happy ending. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the investment on the offensive line has certainly been there in recent years and they just got to get the, they just got to get it right. As long as it's a good pick, as long as he's your, you know, if he becomes your left tackle for the next six, eight years and is, or more, and is, you know, solid in that position or even um, above average, that would be certainly be a win. And like you said, we've been complaining about the offensive line for years. So to put that investment in is, is good. I just hope it pays off as, as the right pick. Um, moving to the third round. So the big, the big pick, the first pick of the third round was the one that, you know, got Vikings Twitter all in a, in a, either a rage or a celebration, depending on what side you fall on. And that was Kellen Mond. So, uh, taking a quarterback, taking a mobile quarterback, um, in the third round, um, as the, um, I should look, he was the sixth or seventh quarterback off the board total. Um, I don't remember the exact number, but he was, he started he started the run on quarterbacks um in the third round there had not been a quarterback taken for a long time um and there and then he was taking trask was taken right before him yep trask and then him and then then there were several others that went um 
right after that. So they got, you know, they got the guy that they wanted in that spot um, with Kellen Mond. And, you know, I think some are, if I remember correctly, you were not as high on the pick. Some are like, this is quarterback of the future. Some are like, they're just taking a flyer on a guy. Um, I'm probably somewhere in the middle of that, but what are your thoughts on Mond at this point? I don't know if it's, I think people are going too, they're going too crazy on him by saying he's the, uh, I saw a lot of people I love and respect who are writing stories uh, in the aftermath. is like, this is the, this is the, this is the, this is the plan for, uh, this is the inheritance plan for Kirk Cousins. Like, well, he's a third round pick. He's, and you look at him on tape and in the games he played, it's like, I don't know how much upside he has. Like, it's like he can throw inter, uh, intermediary passes, but I guess, I was just, I was a lot of, from the, from a lot of the experts I had been following and listening to, it was like, well, I, I love a, the idea of taking a quarterback, but this particular one, it's like, well, like, and he, we don't even know. So I, I like it for what it is. It's like a backup. He, he's a solid backup for Kirk if anything whatever has happened to him. And I think eventually they'll have to get off that cousin's contract to better allocate the money somewhere else. But I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's. I think it might be. Too, it was too early at the time for them to, for a lot of people on Twitter and even beat some beat writers uh, to be to be proclaiming him the the, the option to replace Cousins. Uh, I I guess, and was what's strange is just the the person I trusted the most uh, in terms of quarterback uh, in terms of quarterback analysis, uh, Tyler. I know, I don't know if you follow Tyler, but he was telling me beforehand, he's like, yeah, he's very up and down. He's very inconsistent. So that scared me off on him. Uh, I'll defer to you on the second pick. I know you're a big uh, Tar Heel guy, so you can tell me about Surat. I know from, I wasn't that excited just because there's another, uh, I was really high on Jabril Cox out of LSU. But uh, so, and, and then, and then I was even a little more lukewarm when I had heard people say, uh, some people say uh, right, right out, right out of the gates, that he wouldn't be ready to play right away, so that quarter, that sort of scared me off a little bit. They have a lot of these third and fourth round picks that might not be ready to play, so I'm just curious to get your thought, your thoughts on uh, Ahmad and then on Surat. Yeah, first for Surat, so just shout out to Atar Hill, of course, and I think. If nothing else, he's going to be an impact guy on special teams right away because of his his athleticism, and that's something that the special teams were just so bad last year. I think that that's not, you know, that's not exactly what you're looking for in a third round pick, but that's also an impact um, that would be significant on this team. Um, I wondered when they picked him if they would maybe look at moving him to safety just because he is so undersized, um, or even some sort of a big, you know. Zim loves the big nickel, something along those lines, just as a, as a hybrid player, not that he'd play there all the time, but you know, he's definitely undersized um, as a linebacker, but the athleticism is there. And, you know, I think Zim can get creative with him and we'll see what he ends up doing with him. But um, you know, I wouldn't expect, you know, the Vikings don't have um, needs as at starting linebacker right now. So um, you know, as a depth piece and as hopefully a, an impact special teamer, I like it. Um, might have been a little bit of a reach still, but who knows. For Mond, I fall somewhere in the middle um, on whether or not he's the QB of the future or um, just uh, just a backup. At you know, he's certainly just a backup at this point. But the question is, at what point does he either get a shot or? you know, prove to not be um, up for the task. So I think the biggest thing is the Vikings last season, you know, Kirk had some pretty bad games, especially early on, you know, the Atlanta game stands out and they had no other options. There was, you're not going to put Manning out there, right? We know he's not the guy of the future. So there's no pressure there. There's no other option, nowhere to turn. So if nothing else, I think that this provides options for them. Um, it's not going to be any more expensive than an, you know any other veteran backup QB is. Um, and maybe he turns out to be a, you know, a viable starter in the future and someone with high upside with his athleticism and his arm strength and everything. Um, I will note Chris Sims had, was very high on him and had him ranked as his number four quarterback coming into the draft ahead of a couple of the guys that went in the first round. So 
you know, I think it's, I think taking a flyer on an athletic quarterback like him, especially one that played so much in, in the SEC, you know, high level football, um, for your starter, like the whole thing, I think it makes a lot of sense and it doesn't, you know, if like, let's say this is Kirk's last season as a starter and next year they look to trade him or whatever it might be. Um, you know, hopefully best case Kirk plays great and is in line for another extension. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not totally out on Kirk, but you have to have other options for when, when it does get as bad as it did at times last year. Um, he certainly turned it on the second half of the season, but you have to have another option. Um, so I think that's what mind is. And if, you know, I think that if they are looking to move on to another quarterback next year, this doesn't stop them from drafting someone in the first round next year either. You know, if Mond isn't the guy, you know, if Mond doesn't show to be um, that sort of um, sure thing next franchise quarterback. So, so I like it from that. I think anytime you want to take a, take a flyer on a mid round quarterback, um, I support it, but it's not the, this is not the sign of the end of the Kirk Cousins era. It's just the sign of let's have some alternative options and let's make sure that um, we're not, you know, Kirk's got to continue to prove he's worth, you know, what they're paying him. So um, it's interesting to talk about this when Kirk has, you know, without a doubt been the best quarterback the Vikings have had in 10, 15 years, you know, the only guy who, starts every game every season you know the most consistent everything else but still just that there's a little bit um lacking there but it's hard to it's so hard to get one of those top quarterbacks right so he's right there as as what i would call above average but not quite good enough to get you where you need to go um but i think with moving on to the next pick Wyatt davis another offensive lineman you know, I think if you do surround Kirk with, with the talent that he's surrounded with, as well as the protection he needs, you know, call me crazy, but I could, I could believe that that could make a run even with Kirk cousins as your quarterback. Like he has the skill there. He has the, um, the experience, um, you know, I'm willing to give it a, give it another run. Um, but he has to be protected. So that's what the issue has been. Um, so what did you think about Davis or any other, um, of these, these later round picks? I love the Davis pick. Uh, I know he, a lot of people were talking about it. He was, it was, it was a very up and down pick, depending depending on who you talk to, uh, amongst the Vikings faithful. Uh, I know a lot of people were, a lot of ex, uh, I don't want to call it, say experts, but a lot of, a lot of people who had done their homework on prospects, they had him as a first round pick mm-hmm. coming out of if he would have came out last year, and then he comes back and he hurt his knee and he was never really, he was never really the same. And he fell down the draft board, but I think getting a guy who could, who is basically a first-round talent in the third round, at a position of need, I think that really it was a home run pick. I think of all the picks that they took, and in the middle rounds uh, outside of Derisaw, I think this might be the best pick. I think I I don't want to get too far ahead. I think, but I don't want to get too hard, too far ahead of myself at this point. But I really think he could contribute and. Uh, I think, I think it's just it's just a bad year because of the injuries that sort of uh, dropped him down the good graces of the of the GMs and the and the, the franchises picking. But I think if he plays in the NFL, if he sh- if he continues to show in training camp and just uh, developing, if he can show what he showed in 2019 with Ohio State, this could be a really diamond in the rough. Yeah, the hope is that he's that fifth piece on the offensive line, right? Um, at guard, whether he's starting right away or comes in later in the season, but um, that would be that would round out your, you know, five under twenty-five um, group, and hopefully a group that can develop together. And yeah, I mean, I don't know enough about offensive line play to be able to evaluate a guy like that, but when the especially a guy from Ohio State and a guy that you know had that um, consensus. Um, rating coming out um, certainly something to be excited about getting that in the third round um, and yet you know we don't need to go pick by pick the rest of the way but any other late round picks you got you want to mention I'm intrigued by the the wide receiver um, Smith Mar- Marset um, I'm intrigued by the corner I think whether whichever one of these guys it is finding or even the running back um, 
Nwangu. Um, you got to find Smith a you, you, you got to find a returner. I think Smith Marset is. I think call me nuts. I think Amir Smith. I think Amir Smith Marset. Although I hate the spelling of his first name, but <laughs> I think I think I think he's gonna make the team. I do. Yeah. I think he had poor quarterback play at Iowa. Uh, he actually, and I believe he initially connected committed to PJ Fleck. Then he was switched by Iowa two days later, and uh, he had Nate Stanley, who's on the practice squad, probably gonna be on the practice squad as his quarterback for three years. And then this past year, they just had poor. They constantly had poor quarterback play at Iowa. So uh, you, you wonder if he put if he would have gone to another school uh, with better quarterback play, he could have been higher on the draft boards. But he's very explosive, uh, very he, he, as a returner and as a receiver. So I think I th- I don't know I don't want to throw it all and say he's gonna be the next Stephon Diggs because I don't mm-hmm. think anybody can be like that in the fifth round. But every year, it just seems like every year, no matter what, uh, it can be on, on any team. There's always one or two receivers in that four, fifth, sixth round who no one thinks about who ends up making a huge impact. So I think I think uh, Amir Smith Marset is a guy who will make the team out of camp. Yeah, I think it's always a good idea to take a um, take a shot at a receiver in the later rounds. It's such a deep position. Um, you know, a guy like a Diggs or others that have, have developed out of those fourth, fifth rounds. Um, I think it's always worth a shot. And like I said, to me, finding a returner, the return game, special teams as a whole last year, but especially the return game was just so brutal to watch and such a negative for the team. Um, you know, some would say that, you know, maybe – kick returning isn't a very important statistic or anything like that. But I think, I do think that the momentum it provides and the field position was just the Vikings were starting in a hole so much last year um, because of the inability to return um, kickoffs and punts and the fumbles and the turnovers and everything else. So, you know, I don't really want Osborne there. So whether it's, um, you know, Abdullah, you know, the other Amir that smells his name, right. Right. Um, or, um, or Smith Marset or whoever, you know, I just hope that they, you know, with the new special teams coordinator and with um, some new guys in the, in the mix, I think finding that returner is, is a key. Um, you know, we were, we've been spoiled in past years with Cordero and with Marcus, Marcus Sherrill's and every, you know, the others. Um, but I think just getting that up to league average would be a big, um, a big boost for this team. I agree with you. It's just, I think the Osborne pick is just, it was a bad pick in hindsight, but I think I, I, I agree with you. I don't know if the kick return, uh, kick returning on uh, kickoffs are as important, but I think, so yeah, the field position battles just, we always seem to be like the, the punt, our punt, our, our punting was just poor too. You had Colquitts who was punt, giving them great field position and, uh, and then Bailey as well when we had him. Now you have, and then you have your return game giving you poor field position. So that's, Basically, that, that not not necessarily now our defense didn't help the cause by any means necessary last year, but I think if you're trying to win games, you need to you need to have good field position, both when you're on offense and defense. You have to be you have to take advantage, and uh, you have to have great special teams in order to do that. And I think now having a new special teams coach, you have you're basically rebuilding the whole special teams. You have. Like you said, a guy like a Surratt might contribute right away. Maybe Nangu can contribute. You have some guy because in the past you had a lot. Like in 2015, 16, 17, they had a great special teams, but the problem was they had so many of those players that either had bigger roles uh, going forward or just they couldn't find guys to develop. That just the last couple of years special teams has been really poor. Mm-hmm. So I think it'd be it'd be huge if one of these two guys. I think. I think Smith Marset can be the guy, but if they could find somebody who can return kicks and punts and get them in better field position. Yeah, complimentary football, right? That's what it comes down to. And that's something that the Vikings were just never able to play last year. I think, you know, the offense was so good at moments, but anytime they had a, a turnover or a three and out or anything like that, there there was so much pressure on the offense because they knew that that would turn into, you know, a plus situation for the other team. And, you know, our defense just wasn't able to, um, to be relied on as it has in the past. So, um, you know, the, the best Viking teams we've seen have, have all been able to play that complimentary football, even if they're built more on the deep, you know, usually the defense, um, but having that, um, 
I do think it makes a big difference. And so hopefully this new special teams coach is able to get that ironed out and they can get back to um, playing some smart football. So um, that's the draft. I didn't put a list together of all the, you know, the undrafted guys, but you know, you already mentioned the kicker and there's um, a few others as well. Um, but I want to move to just as we're getting towards training camp, um, OTAs have been, have been happening. Um, you know, there's lots of um, the energy is coming back and, you know, the guys are, are around and everything. Um, so just kind of, I've got a couple of questions that I have moving into the kind of the big questions moving into training camp. Um, feel free to add whatever you have. Um, you already mentioned this earlier, but the biggest one being the status of Daniil Hunter with his contract situation. Will he be holding out um, as well as his, his health and his return? Um, I don't know if we have any answers for that at this point, but just something to watch and will make a big difference for this team. Um, if he's going to be able to be out there as, as such a impactful pass rusher. So do you have any, any, you know, recent news you've heard on that or. I don't have any news. I don't have any news. Like I'm not as plugged in as. I know you have sources. Well, I don't have that much. I'm a solid source, but not great. I think he's going to show up when it's, when he needs to right now, it's, what I think a lot of people are freaking out because he wasn't there this past week, but we, uh, people people forget that these portion of the OTAs are voluntary, and so I think I've heard he's he's working out in Arizona. That's Exos, I think it's called. So he's in great shape physically. I think they need to take care of him. That mm-hmm. he's he's criminally underpaid. Now you can argue he shouldn't have taken the contract in the first place, but. He's underpaid. I think event just based on precedent of this organization, what they did in the past with guys like Adam Thielen, Kyle Rudolph, I think they will take care of him. Uh, I think the added cap space they got from the from from the Kyle Rudolph post June post June first uh, uh, cuts, I think they'll use part of that, part of that money to pay Daniel. I don't necessarily know how much money they'll give him or like when they'll do it, but I don't think he's. He's a low he's a low maintenance guy from, what, from mm-hmm. the sources that you and I probably both get get it from. That he's a he's a low maintenance guy. He's not a me guy, so it sounds like he's he he he, he probably doesn't want to be paying fines for missing out on on mandatory events. So we'll have to wait and see. I think eventually it it's it, it'll it'll be similar to what happened in the last year because this happens almost every year. With one guy on the roster, this had this happened last year with Dalvin, mm-hmm. where it's like, well, we he might not show up for the zooms, uh, for, for the zoom practices, and uh, he ended up showing up, and they paid him right before the season started. So I think it'll be interesting to, to, to it'll be interesting to see when the, when it's particularly happens and how it takes place. But I don't see I, I I don't see him getting traded or holding out. I think I think he'll show up when it's when he needs to. And I think they'll come. To, I think they'll come to a happy medium. Yeah, I think from the perspective of the team, it should just be, you know, we need you to show up and just prove you're you're healthy, and that the neck issue isn't a, something we need to be worried about moving forward. So we can be confident about um, about making that um, that upgrade in in salary and whether it's a restructure or an extension or you know whatever it may be. I think that they, like you said, they want to pay guys the. Um, the market rate and make sure that, um, you know, it just sets a good precedent moving forward for other players as they're coming up that if they outperform their contract, they will be, be rewarded in that way. So, you know, coming off a neck injury, I do think that you have a little bit more of a trepidation and just wanting to make sure that that's not going to be something that becomes an issue or is needs to be worried about moving forward. So, you know, looks great in the videos, but I'd say, you know, show up, you know, let the, maybe hit for a couple of days, let Sugarman get a look at you and then um, start talking about that, um, getting to that meeting in the middle point, like you said, and um, the extension. So I don't think, yeah, I don't think they have to worry too much about um, fitting it under the cap, at least for this season, you know, moving forward, Kirk's thing is going to be an issue, but um, I don't think that that's, it's unrealistic for them to, to put a, a big deal on the table for him. Um, you mentioned the 14 million. So if you're putting a little bit of that to Daniil, who else are you, you know, there's some, there's still some holes on the roster. There's still some spots that could be filled. Um, do you have your eyes on anyone 
in particular that could be brought in before camp or during camp, um, maybe some veterans? Uh, there are a couple. I think obviously the, uh, the, there's a lot of young options uh, uh, opposite uh, Daniel, but assuming Daniel comes back, is there's no clear option for the starting defensive uh, mm-hmm. defensive end opposite him. Probably there Weatherly, are a lot yeah. of, There are a lot of guys that are still available. Uh, Justin Houston, Olivier Vernon, they're available. Uh, if, if they wanted, if they felt, if, if maybe if they went in another direction and they feel, okay, we can go with Stephen Weatherly giving us 30 snaps a game and you have these young guys that we drafted and they can, like a, a Wanham or even a Patrick Jones, they can give us, maybe then instead you you pivot and go to a guy that Zimmer and that, that uh, Zimmer and Paul Gunther know really well in Keno Atkins or even another, mm-hmm. or even a former Viking in Sheldon Richardson. But I think they need to still get the, they need some depth on the defensive line some way somehow. Um, I still think I'm, I'm infatuated with with Teddy Westbrook. I know he has the connection with Keenan Mark Keenan McCardell, yeah. the new wide receivers coach. He see the thing with the uh, Vikings offense is they don't traditionally use three receivers. They just use two uh two two receiver sets with the two tight ends and Dalvin or Matt or Madison. But you have to wonder what if God forbid. Adam or or Justin get injured, so I think, and also like, like we mentioned with special teams, uh, Westbrook went healthy. Now he he's coming off an ACL, but when he was healthy, he was explosive in the return game. So that's another name that you could get cheap. But I'm not gonna lie. I think at this point, I think you're gonna have to pay that they're, they're gonna have to pay Brian O'Neill because he's coming up. His his contract's coming up. I think Daniel's gonna want some, but I don't know if that's gonna really tie into this year's cap. So I, I, I think Harrison Smith, you could probably save some money there. If you come, I, I know they're worked, they've been trying to work on an extension with Harrison Smith for a while, but it never really got off the ground. So I think it, if they, it might start, to, they might start negotiating again here. So that could maybe create some more cap space if you spread out his $10 million hits. But so maybe you get some more, maybe you, redistribute the money that you get from Harry and give that to O'Neill, and then you bring in a defensive lineman like a Richardson or a Vernon or or a Justin Houston. I guess I don't know. I think I know they wanted they they had in uh, Bashad Breland, who's a really good corner. They had him in, but it sounded like they were gonna only offer him the minimum. So I don't know if they really need a corner depending on the Gladney situation and just depending on health. I would like to add a corner. I think, I think if something happens and someone gets injured and we have to see Chris Boyd out there again next year, I'm going to, I'm going to lose my mind. So I think, I don't know. I don't have names in mind, but any veteran corner you that you can pool? bring in for depth, um, I would be in favor of that. And cause I, I mean, Gladney is not someone that I really want to see back on the team anytime soon either. So um yeah, corner depth is, is one of my main concerns. And then I'm with you with um, with the third receiver spot. Um, that's kind of the, I think, the biggest thing left on offense that can be upgraded, um, assuming the line is going to play out as we hope it does. Um, you know, I like BC, but he's not someone that you really, um, you know, that can that he could be upgraded, you know, as the third receiver. He could be a fourth fifth receiver guy that just comes in when you need him. Um, Chad Beebe has not lived up to the to the hype really um, and is usually injured you know these young guys we don't know you know maybe your guy Amir comes through um, and makes the team but even still um, you know I don't think there's a really anyone too exciting to point to on the roster right now for that third receiver spot so um, yet I'd love whether it's Westbrook or someone else um, someone that can come in and you know I'm excited about Keenan McCardell too as, as the receivers coach oh yeah i think uh and because last year even though they lost a ton of games i mean dj chark and uh Lubisky chenault they were really good so i think you ha- uh you wonder you you would assume that the cardell had played a factor into them mm-hmm. and uh also i've I've read uh at maryland he was a coach at maryland when stefan was there so yep. he he sort of mentored stefan a little bit so I think I think you're right. I think there's a, a lot of names that are out there at the third receiver spots, but I don't know if any of them make sense. Like 
I don't know if Larry Fitzgerald's really gonna do much for you at this point. I don't even know if he's gonna want to play. I don't. I don't know about a Golden Tate or even a Kenny Stills, but I think I think Westbrook just because of his age and because of his uh, connection to Mercado, he just makes sense. He's, even though he's coming off the injury, he's only 26, 25, 26 years old, and he he has a he has a track record in the league of having some good production when healthy. But I don't know. I, I really don't know if they're gonna give them if they're gonna give the, all that money to guys internally and give extensions. If they need to fill out some more depth, because I agree with you. I think it's a good roster of full starters, but there are certain positions more than others that just lack depth. If there were to be a major injury. Yeah, yeah. But that's you know that's what usually it comes down to in in the NFL is surviving those injuries and having that depth. So. It's hard to know going in, but I would certainly be on board for Golden Tate. I didn't even realize he was a free agent. Um, but, you know, he's older, but this is biased, but the way he's just performed against the Vikings is certainly, um, I don't know, he scares me when I when we play against him. So I want him on the, I want him on the Vikings. He'd be a good, um, seems like he'd be a good, you know, slot guy, possession guy um, to have with some experience as well. Um, so I'd be on board for that. Um, but yeah, let's see, let's see what happens. You know, hopefully there's some moves to be made, um, as we get closer to, to training camp and then, yeah, excited for the, the season coming up here. So thank you, Amir, for your time. Um, appreciate it. Appreciate your expertise and your, um, knowledge on all these, all these names and all these contracts and everything else. So, um, looking forward to continuing to talk with you throughout the rest of this off season as we get towards, towards the fall. Josiah, for you, anytime. You need a guy to talk Vikings, you need a guy to talk hoops, you, got, you, got, you need a guy to talk about just weird stuff. Some of people call me a weird guy. Just any, you, 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 anytime. I'm happy to, happy to come on and really happy for you with this new new venture. So I appreciate you having me out to chat Vikings with you. Great to have you. I will see you on Twitter soon, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, these days, just try. Trying to get myself out there, uh, still struggling to find some work, but uh, with internships and stuff. So mm-hmm. a lot, just trying to get myself out there on Twitter and builds more connections. So I'm, I'm certain you'll see me there. Yeah, yeah. The American Way, everybody, make sure you check it out. Um, give Amir a follow as well. He's got great insight on pretty much any sports question you could possibly have. So thanks again, Amir. I will talk with you later. And Skull Vikings. Talk to you later. In situations like this, there's only two money guys on this team. Find them. Find them. 80, what you going to do today? I got my A game. You got your A game? Yes, sir. You got his A game.